Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're very pleased to have joining us on the program today, Professor Anthony Davies. He's an associate professor of economics at Duchesne University and a distinguished fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, wrote a, uh, a very powerful piece about the third party uh, in American Institute for Economic Research. And uh, Professor, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. As as we look at the political parties, uh, we're we're always equal opportunity offenders uh, here on this program. So we call out the left and we call out the right, and uh, we call out the parties often uh, because they they don't get us to the right principles or the right policies. Uh, you've done a beautiful job of uh, taking us all the way back to the beginning, uh, talking about the fact that many of us just think that the two party system was was part of the founding, and it just wasn't. No. It- wasn't. A lot of people think that the we have two parties because that's what's called for in the Constitution. The Constitution is actually silent on the issue of parties. The two parties that we have, the, the, the major parties, the Democrats and Republicans, they're not even governmental bodies. They're nonprofit corporations, which is kind of weird because you hear politicians saying about how corporations are evil. Well, the politicians themselves are products of these two corporations. Uh, so let's talk about those, because I think this is also one that most people uh, just don't see. We, we often talk about the, the problems of conflict in Washington, but collusion is is usually the problem, whether that has to do with spending uh, or whether it has to do with political power. And one of those uh, is the uh, the Commission on Presidential Debates. Give us some specifics on that. The Commission on Presidential Debates is another corporation, again, not a governmental body. The Commission on Presidential Debates was created by the Democratic and Republican parties for the purpose of setting the rules. The rules it sets is how high uh, politicians have to score in polls to appear on the nationally televised debates. And so what you have is the Democratic Party and the Republican Party together through this corporation they founded effectively putting up barriers to third party candidates saying, well, you can't come on the national stage unless you have a certain, uh, unless you score a certain amount in the polls. But how do you score high in the pool polls if you can't appear in the presidential debates? And so there's, they create this catch 22 where in effect, They've shut out competition. Oh, and that and that is the thing. Uh, if you shut out the competition, then uh, those in power get to stay in power. And as long as they uh, convince us that we're too divided to do anything else, then that ensures that they stay in power. Uh, and so, as you as you look at this case, I, I know many people uh, long for a third party, wish for a third party. Uh, you've hit a couple of the obstacles. What are the other challenges to actually getting something that uh, might be competitive or might change that balance of power? The thing is, these two parties, the major ones, Democrats and Republicans, have shut out competition. And we know that that's a problem because over the past 
one or two decades, we've gone in this country from a place in which we had roughly equal number of voters identifying as Democrat, Republican, and independent. That is, they're neither of the above. To today, American voters who identify as independent outnumber Democrats and Republicans combined. That is, the, the independents are a plurality of voters, and yet there's no party representing them. Mm. Now, you know, we have tons of, of third parties in this country. Most of them are too small to, to pay much attention to, but the major one is the Libertarian Party. Again, it's a small party, but by far it's larger than any of the others. But the Libertarians themselves, I think, are never going to come to major party status, in part because of the barriers Democrats and Republicans have put up, but also in part because Libertarians themselves tend to be wedded myopically to principle. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Actually, it's quite a good thing. But if you want to become a politician, it's an impediment because this the thing that makes a great politician is the, the ability to compromise. And you can't do that if you're holding firm to principle. Yeah. And that uh, so I want to dig into a couple of, of components in that. Uh, you, you've got my mind uh, spinning along here. Uh, so as you as you look at that, you, you mentioned in your piece uh, kind of those uh, replacement parties, uh, how the Republican Party uh, replaced the, the Whig Party and the, the Democrats were replacing uh, the, the Federalist Party with Hamilton. Uh, is is it just that we don't have a, a leader that could unite uh, like uh, a Lincoln or a Jefferson? Uh, or, or is it that we just are so worried about voting for the right thing so we feel like we're in power? Is this, is this a we the people problem uh, or is this uh, a structural problem? I think it's mostly a structural problem. So we have, you know, again, the Democrats and Republican parties uh, making it very difficult for third-party candidates to get on the national stage. But beyond that, we have baked into the system this winner-take-all procedure where you have a couple of candidates in a state and the winning candidate takes all of the state's electoral votes. Well, that process favors an outcome in which you have two candidates. That is, instead, we had a system, which some states actually do, where the electoral votes are split according to the fraction of votes each candidate takes. You could have multiple candidates. And this is why, for example, in parliamentary systems, which do work that way, you'll get multiple parties, uh, unlike in the U.S. The winner-take-all system actually favors a two-party system rather than a multiple-party system. Yeah, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, what I think is such a, a powerful statement in your piece, talking about... Uh talking about compromise and that challenge and uh, that the the very compromise that politics demands erodes principles and the erosion of principle is what lies at the heart of the decay in the major parties. Dig into that for us. I think any a good politician, and here I'll use the word statesman, a word we don't use often anymore, but, but the statesman, the ultimate of the politician, is someone who is rooted in principle. That is, this person stands for certain fundamental truths and the things that flow from those fundamental truths. But as a successful politician is able to balance these fundamental truths, the things he stands for, against things that perhaps he doesn't stand for, but he has to kind of just you know bite the bullet and accept in exchange for moving things forward. In other words, a politician who can embrace compromise is a politician who can move us from a worse state to a better state. But somebody who embraces only principle to the exclusion of compromise 
if you offer this person a choice between the current state and a better state, the person's going to say, no, a better state is incorrect because it's flawed. It's not perfect. And a lot of libertarians uh, tend to do this. In fact, the most arguments you'll find amongst libertarians are not libertarians arguing against Democrats and Republicans. It's libertarians against other libertarians. We're never going to get the perfect solution. The right question is, what's a better solution? Yeah, and and having that uh, that good, better, best conversation or uh, the purity test as opposed to the progress test, uh, I think is such an important part of that that conversation as well. It, uh, go ahead. Yeah, it is, and I can give I can give you a good example of this is uh, discussions I've had with pretty much any libertarian about universal basic income. Now, I think done correctly. Universal basic income is an improvement over the current welfare state that we have in this country. But libertarians, by and large, not all of them, but by and large, reject universal basic income because it isn't a perfect solution. Well, it isn't. But so long as you reject it, you leave us consigned to this even worse solution, which is what we have now. Yeah, absolutely. And having that kind of conversation, I think, is what will elevate everybody uh, and get us to the to the better solutions uh, as, as we move it forward over time. Uh, professor Anthony Davis, uh, again, he's professor of economics at Duchesne University, distinguished fellow at the Foundation for Economic Education. And just a great piece on third party. A lot of great things for us to think about uh, as we roll into the weekend. Professor, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Great conversation uh, about not just third party as a, a principle, but the focus on principle. And if we are so wedded uh, to something that we can't compromise, uh, that's one challenge. If we allow the politics of personal destruction to lead and drive everything, uh, that's where we often get into trouble. And it doesn't matter what the issue is, doesn't matter what the objective is. Uh, one of the things we heard up on Utah's Capitol Hill today were the number of candidates and parties who were raising money uh, off of the issue before the legislature today and overriding Governor Spencer Cox's veto of SB 11, or excuse me, House Bill 11, HB 11. Uh, and it just makes me reflect and think that uh, we can do this. Uh, we, we gave you a lot of sausage making today as we watched the process roll out. And that process actually matters. But I think the thing that we should all take hope from today and focus on is that our future in our communities and in our state and in our country has little to do with politics, a little bit to do with policy, more to do with principles, but it's really about people. Go focus on that this weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Source for critical breaking news, traffic and weather, and conversation about Utah's most important stories. Listen on any smart speaker, the KSL News Radio app, and in your car at 102.7 FM. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City, KSL News Radio, Utah's all day companion for news. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another 
pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.